What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage people to check out their local food bank to see how they can help out, as food banks like the Ozarks Food Harvest here in my town are helping families overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. You can follow me on social media like Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. All those links are in the show notes for you. This week, we are joined by Thomas Russell, who's a radio host and an author. While Thomas did write off and on throughout his life, he didn't actually complete his first book until age 52. Throughout our conversation, Thomas shares his personal journey and shares how he has found true purpose in life working to help other people. Thomas strives to make the world a better place for others, and in doing so, has truly found his calling. I'm really excited to share our conversation, so let's get over to it. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Thomas Russell. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm stoked, man. Let's let's get her going, man. Awesome. Well, Thomas, uh, you have a, a pretty interesting repertoire. You've got a couple of books. Um, one is Finding Your True North, A Bullied Teen's Journey of Hope, and then also another one called Nowhere Man. Uh, and then you also host a radio show, Life Without Limits. Is that all correct? That is correct. And I also speak in the schools and churches and organizations, too. So, Oh, cool. Awesome. Well, except for now because of COVID, you know that. Well, right, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just like the rest of us, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> everyone yeah. has to go home. Yeah. Um, well, so you know, whenever we talked over email a bit, you you'd mentioned in your email that um, at least the books were things that that you didn't write until you were fifty-two. Is that right? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Wow. It took me that long to figure out my life, you know. I think it's, I mean, I think it's awesome. And that was, that, that immediately excited me to have you on whenever you shared that detail, just because I think that certainly at that age, but I think even earlier people can feel like they've lost their chance or lost their opportunity. You know what I mean? Just because of some arbitrary number and associations they have with it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, maybe which came first was it the books or the radio show kind of talk about how, what that, that journey looked like. Well, uh, the books came first, but okay. uh, you know, the, the journey was, uh, you know, the thing is, is uh, when people have dreams, you know, like when they're kids or, or in their high school years or college, you know, they have dreams of, of what they want to do. And my dream was always to be a writer. In fact, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a, a, a sports writer for the Sports Illustrated. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing was, is I told people this, but I never, I never believed in myself. Mm. I never believed that I could actually achieve that dream. It was just, it was, it was, uh, smoke and mirrors, you know, it's just something that, that, uh, I didn't feel like, uh, um, that path was going to be something that would be attainable for me. But, you know, when I went to, uh, went to college, I went to college for, for journalism. But just like anything else up to that point in my life, whenever I said that I was going to do something, I always find find myself giving up. Uh, you know, I get the precipice of where I thought that I was going to go to the next level. I just, I gave up. But I, I it was like, I, I didn't tell people that. I didn't say I, I don't deserve it or anything like that. I just said, well, you know, with college, my, my mother couldn't pay for college and I had to do it myself. I couldn't afford it. But honestly, it was just me saying that I don't deserve that. I don't deserve the, to be able to do that. So consequently, I I just fell in that trap of accepting 
less than what I thought I could achieve, you know? Yeah. No, that really resonates with me because I've, uh, you know, I've started doing the, this podcast a couple of years ago and I don't know, probably nine months into that, I, I interviewed a couple of different coaches, like life coaches and ended up working with one. And I, I still work with her to this day. And, and the reason I share that is just that I felt kind of a similar way where it's like, I, I have something that I want to achieve, but then it doesn't happen. And then I'm stuck trying to figure out like, well, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like, what's my, what's this flaw that, that whatever. And if, you know, come a long way in learning that there's, there's not a flaw, <laughs> right? There's, there's flawed thinking and flawed habits and flawed routines, but there's not really just some innate characteristic that makes it so I can't <laughs> accomplish something. Um, did you, so did you struggle with, with those kinds of thoughts at all with like the, the self-doubt negative self-talk or was it like you positioned it more as just didn't really feel like you deserved that? Well, I, I knew that I had the talent. I, you know, I've always had people tell me that I was, I was always a very talented writer and I, I took it with kind of like a grain of salt because I, I tend not to take praise very well, unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, it's just the way I am. But you know, that the thing for me was, and, and I think a lot of people can relate to this is, is a lot of people fear failure. And so consequently, they just stop. They just say, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not what I really want to do. I feared success. I just, I feared like, what would actually happen if I did succeed in, in something, whatever it was I decided I wanted to do. Uh, and then what, how would I handle it? You know, and I, I got, it got cut up in my head that, uh, that uh, even though I knew I had the talent, I just didn't think that I had the ability to move forward wherever it is, whatever I want to do. And I didn't have that mindset of what's next. You know, once I achieve something, what's next? Uh, because I just, I didn't have that maturity, I guess, you know, when I was, you know, just out of high school and into college, I just, I didn't have that mindset that, that uh, you have to keep moving. The, the journey doesn't stop at where you, when you reach your goal, where you reach your dream, you just got to keep moving. Right, right. And, and uh, what what happened, you know, I, I got into restaurant management for a few years. And then uh, my best friend, he worked for a, a magazine, uh, a national magazine, an RV, RV Trade Digest. Hmm. And uh, he said that the, uh, he uh, tossed a, a word into the publisher and, and the publisher wanted me to write a, a couple freelance articles for, for him. So I did. And I didn't do diddly squat about the RV industry, nothing, you know? Right. And, and I just felt like, you know, okay, this is my window. This is my opportunity to just try to do something. And so he, he liked my um, stories, you know, my articles. And then he calls me in and asked me to come in for an interview to be the, the managing editor for, for this national magazine Wow! at, at 23, you know, and, there and <laughs> this is what happens, you know. When whenever I get when I get something thrown at me like this, is my immediate thought process is, I don't deserve this. I do not deserve this. I did. I didn't earn this. Mm. You know, you just can't walk in at twenty three work for a national magazine. And uh, but I, I I did it anyway because I, I felt this is this is a path I wanted to go, even though I didn't know anything about the RV industry. And, uh, and I was learning along the way, but I didn't know anything about technical things about the RV industry. I knew the, uh, my, my forte was, is personal, um, 
connection with people, personal communication. When you when you want to do an article on somebody, you want to find out more about this individual. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I I I did more of a human con, uh, human idea of how to how to write a story. Okay. But I did I did this thing for six years. I, I was with the magazine for six years. It was a long time. And yeah. even throughout that six years, I still didn't feel like I, I fit in. But I loved doing what I was doing. But the problem was back in 1991, uh, the, uh, our, the uh, country was going through a recession. The RV industry particularly got hit really mm-hmm. bad. And, uh, and so I ended up having to work three days a week for three months because he just couldn't afford to pay me a full salary. And so I had to make a decision. I, I, I had to make the decision to move on. Mm. And guess what I did? I, I went right back into restaurant management. Mm. And I felt that's what I d- deserved. This is my path. I, I couldn't really uh, make a living uh, uh, with a writing career, although I did write freelance for some magazines and for some newspapers, but I couldn't, I couldn't really make a living off it. So I gave up my dream. And it was decades. And it was just... You know, it's 29 years old when that 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 uh, part of my life ended, mm. and so I just I just gave up uh, because I felt this is what I, I deserve. And but throughout all those years, I wasn't the kind of person who wallowed in 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 my despair and and wallowed in in, in lack of confidence. Because every job I ever had, I always act. I always treated it like it was my my own business that it, I. I took ownership of whatever I did. Mm. And so, so uh, I, I excelled in whatever I did, but I wasn't fulfilled. You know, I just wasn't fulfilled. Right. And so that was just like decades of, of, of doing that. And, uh, and I just didn't, didn't feel like I was accomplishing to doing what I want to do with the dream. Right. But so, but you're, you're working, uh, uh, a decent paying job and you're, you know, it's not like you're, you're at the bottom rung. So it's, it's kind of this middling space where some parts of it are, are good. In, yeah, air quote. Yeah. But then that, that fulfillment feeling, I think that's something that uh, I've definitely encountered in my own life. And I think is probably, I think it's probably pretty common. And, and I, I say that just to mean like, it's a strange feeling to kind of describe because like you said, it's not, a wallowing in despair or a really even like a hopelessness or something. It's not that low, but there's also just never really any high to it. Right. There's not, (laughs) there's nothing that's ever really energizing about, about that unfulfilling type of work. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a trap that people can get caught in because it can be, it can be scary to, to walk away from that because there's probably some security tied to it. Right. Yeah. Um, and the fulfillment's not again since it's not despair. It's not as easy to point a finger at as it might be if it was something truly painful in that more acute sense. Yeah, well, my my claim to fame throughout all those years was I, I ended up being a, uh, a professional eulogist. Oh wow! I, you know, not that I got paid for it. I think it's just people asked me to do write eulogies, hmm. and I uh, got really good at it. And but it got it got kind of morbid thinking that I was. I was the guy that, that they, you know, if obviously I knew the person, I can't write a eulogy for somebody I didn't know, but it was just, it was one of those things in my life that I felt really good about because even though I am not really in the writing business, this is something that it was, it was personal 
and it affected people. When I, when I, when I've always written things, you know, whether it's in church, you know, or, or wherever it is, uh, I, I, I was always connected in writing something, okay. but, but I wasn't getting paid for it. You know, that was the thing. I wasn't really getting paid for it, but right. that was, but that was okay. It's not like I quit writing. It was just it, nothing that really, uh, of any consequence pretty much. Yeah. Well, and not able to focus on it full time, right? Cause you're having to no. split time with whatever the, the, the work is, the restaurant management. Yeah. Um, so, so then, so at this point you're in your thirties, is that correct? Uh, thirties, forties. Yeah. Okay. And so then at 52 is 52 when you decide to write the book or is that when the book is published? I was almost 52. I was, I, I started writing January 2nd of, of 2014. Uh, that's when I did. And my birthday was 2000, uh, excuse me, uh, January 10th. So it was just, it was just a thing, but to get to that point though, um, in 2006, I started uh, being a volunteer coach for uh, an organization called uh, Five Star Life, and uh, it's a it's a mentoring organization for middle school kids, mm. and and uh, it that changed everything in my life, and and what the, what because the, we, we we teach these kids that they can reach reach for anything that they want to do they, they, that that the that they've got so much potential in their lives that they they don't realize it so we're there to just put them on another level mm-hmm. of, of of thinking and uh so what what one of the things we talk about is the, the these five core values of, of that we teach these kids is sacrifice integrity, respect, responsibility, and courage. Mm. And, and, uh, and I've been doing this for 14 years now, but back then it was, it was something that, uh, when we teach these kids, you can see the, the, the light start shining in their eyes. You know, we, we, we help mold them as much as we can. And it's transformative for these kids. It just, it just changes their life. And the thing is it changed my life because I started thinking that, you know, that one of the things we talk about is, you know, what do you want to do with your uh, life, kids? You know, what, are you, what, what's your dreams? You know, and and every time I started saying that to him, I thought to myself, man, you are such a, a stinking hypocrite because you're telling these kids they can do whatever they want, and I'm saying to myself, well, what am I doing? Why, why, why aren't I doing what I'm telling them that they can do? Right. And and I just got to the point. So you know what? You know, it took me. Oh, I don't know how many years uh, to finally make that decision to uh, to write a write write a book. And but the thing was, I didn't know what book I wanted to write until a little light bulb moment came and says, "You know what? I am so so much emboldened with this, these five core values. I live by these five core values. Why not write a book about it?" Yeah. So what I did was because we talk about bullying with these kids all the time, and I wanted to put this. Uh, character in the book this 14 year old boy in 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 a position where he's bullied in school relentlessly he goes home to a dysfunctional family with an alcoholic father so he's in total despair Mm. and so he ends up deciding he just cannot take it anymore and so he runs away i don't get my entire book but he runs away where he learns about these five core values from different characters in the book while he makes mistakes all along the way but he learns from these things 
I mean, about the sacrifice, integrity, respect, responsibility, and courage. And it helps build up his self-esteem. So when he gets to the point where he has to finally deal with that, with his bully and his father, he has that, that uh, for lack of a better word, ammunition to, uh, to resolve his situation. Mm. And and what's nice about it is is the more I've learned about bullying because I'm so entrenched in, in that uh, uh, that environment, I, I've just learned so much more since I since I wrote the book because um, of how to deal with uh, people for for kids who are being bullied, um, you know the the triggers and, and reason why it happens and and, and how to handle it. And uh, it, it's been it's been an a incredible journey. Yeah, that's that's that that's awesome. I I love um, I love the idea that that what really helped you to find, for lack of a better way to say it, to find yourself was really by going with or not going with, but working with other people. Like trying to help others is what kind of enabled you to, to then help yourself. I don't have children or anything, um, but it's something I, I've read about a bit recently and, and been thinking about is, is this idea of whenever you're responsible to something outside of yourself, I think it can illuminate things like that. I mean, d- did you anticipate that at all from the volunteer work that you were doing with the kids that it would that it would, in fact, come back and, and, and reflect and help you? just as much as you're trying to help these kids or, or was that a complete surprise? Well, you know, just like you, you don't have kids, right? But no. I've always, I'm, I've been married 32 years now and, but we've, mm-hmm. we were never able to have kids and just putting myself in that position with being around these six to eight kids. And it just, it, I felt a, a connection that I was missing in my life mm-hmm. because I've always wanted to impact young, young, uh, young kids as, as best as I can, but I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't have that ability to do that because you know, it was just, it's just when you, when you get involved with five star, five star life um, until you sit in those on in front of those kids, you'll never know what it's like to know that you have the ability to transform them just by listening to them and, and talking to them and let them know that they matter, that they can, they're champions. They, they can, they can do whatever they want. And we stay on them. You know, we talk about their their great performance every single week, and it's amazing how much how where they're they're at certain level they're they're at a certain level in their grades, and then they just elevate themselves. Mm. You know, because now they have the belief. I don't. They should never ask me to help them with their math. Forget it. it ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, 
but you know, cause they started telling me this new math and forget it, you know, I, I'm not going to do this, but, um, but you know, we, you know, I'm 59 now, but uh, we, in one of the, it's a two hour program that we do every week. I'm, I'm there playing volleyball with these kids or excuse me, dodgeball with these kids. And, uh, and I'm a former baseball player, really good baseball player. And, and if you're, if you're an athlete, you have that mindset that uh, you, you can do anything you want, but when you get in there and, and into the, the, the melee, uh, your body starts to reject that, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So what is what they say? Your, your, your body can't cash a check or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, but I, I pummel these kids, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I do. I, I, but, but they give it back and, and, sure. uh, and, and, but when you get, when you put yourself in that, that they know that you're part of the group, you know, instead right. of watching the kids, you just get involved with it. And, uh, uh, man, that's a blast. And this past year is unfortunate because we couldn't go into schools because of COVID. Right. So that's a big hole in my heart. Yeah. Um, um, but so as far as the, the book goes, I made that decision to, to write the book. And here's the difference up until that point, uh, I would always say, I'm going to do this. I've decided to do this and I stop. This time I just said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to finish it. And that was the difference in my life up to that point at 52. It's like a reboot. It's just you, you make that decision. Your life is going to change, but you have to make a change. And I've always talked about, and I saw this on a, on a, on a YouTube video. This woman was saying a lot of people, um, there's two things that happen, you know, um, and when you get to a certain point, first thing is you decide. A lot of people decide that they want to lose weight. They want to exercise. Um, they, 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 you know, they, they want to do something, they want to accomplish something, but they decide to do this. And that's where, that's where it stops. The next level you have to do is after you decide this, you have to find out your why. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I decided to do this because. Because, because when you start doing that, um, you're able to you have, find out the reason why. So I said, I, I decided to do this, write this book because I want to impact kids, not for the fame, not the, for the fortune, not for the money, nothing. I, I wanted to write a book that impacts kids. Actually, it's a universal book for anybody to read, not just sure. for kids. But but I wanted to, I wanted, that's, that was my goal. And so when I, I wrote that in vain, that's how it, that's how, and then that's how it ended up being because it, it, the book had a life of its own. Uh, I, I wrote it in four months. Wow. Uh, and I wrote it in four months and cause I made a goal. I said, this is when I want to get it done. And actually I got it done a month early, Nice. but I, I set the goal. This is what I wanted to do. And then, and then here's the thing. It says, okay, a lot of people get to this point when they write a book is, uh, they stop. They say, okay, I wrote the book. I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't want to go, go any further. I didn't want to get to that point because, uh, because that was, that would just deny my dream. And, and my dream was so powerful. It, it was incredibly powerful. I mean, you know, when, when you wake up in the morning and, and you say, I get to do this versus, mm. versus I have to do this, yeah. that, that changed. And, and it, 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 it it got, got me in my entire life because it changed everything elements of, of all my life. It's, I get to do something rather yeah. than have to do it. And, and when I, when I did that, it's just, I, I made a decision. I'm going to devote a certain amount of time to write. And I just kept doing it. You know, I, I was at that point, I was like a transport driver. I would deliver across the country, uh, trucks and RVs and buses across the country. I take my laptop with me 
and I would I would write. Not while I was driving, of course, you know, but sure. but if I was stopped somewhere or if I was coming home on a train or a bus, I'd take my laptop and it's boom, boom, boom. But this is what I did. And it just it was such an incredible feeling of knowing that knowing that I was gonna do something. Yeah. And just like I said initially or earlier was yeah, you always think what's next. Because if you don't think of what's next, you're just going to stop right there, you know. And and ultimately, what happens, you know, the the idea of the book they've called "Finding Your True North." That's another principle we talk about in Five Star. Is you have this big dream that you want, right? And the sooner the sooner you make that decision that you want something, what happens? You have obstacles that come your way. You then you start following this path. Of, of going somewhere as and as not the path you want to go to get your dream and you you decide this is where you're you're headed mm-hmm. uh, even though it's not where you want to go with your dream and then you have this obstacle you have these barriers that come up and then you say i got to this point and this is what happened because this is this is the way my life is going to go i can't get my dream because this happened uh-huh. And I refused. I refused to get that way because I knew as soon as I made that decision, an obstacle came up. But I said, "Nah, uh, not going to happen to me. It's I'm going to I'm going to be do something, and I'm going to finish it." And that's how I was able to do this uh, uh, in, in in four months. So the, the what's next was who do I how do I find a publisher? So I looked around and you know I'm not going through a traditional publisher because that takes an average of twelve to eighteen months. Just, oh, to, wow. just to find someone. So I just, you know, I Google it just like everybody else. And uh, I, I found different publishers. Some of them were like $3,000, $4,000 to publish. And I'm not a math genius, but <laughs> if, you, if you pay $3,000, $4,000, how many books do you have to sell just to break even? Right. And I said, I'm not going to do that. But uh, I was able to find, they call them hybrid publishers or vanity publishers where they actually you pay them to, to publish it. I found someone who was reasonably inexpensive. His name is uh, Eddie Smith. He's worldwide hmm. published worldwide publishing group down in Houston. Incredible man. I just, I love, I love him to death. And he, he helped guide me through what I needed to do because it was your first book. Right. Yeah. And so I, I went through the process of editing cover of the book. We went over the thing. And so in August of um, 2014, I, the, the book was finally published. Oh. And and you know, I didn't know at the time, you know, how long it how long it takes to to do it, but once it got out there, it says, "Well, what's what now?" And Eddie said the best thing he could ever tell me. He said, "You know what? I can do this for you. I can get you to this point, but the onus is going to be on you to market it." Uh, you know, my book is on 110,000 websites around the world. But, wow. you know, but honestly, you know, I, I never got caught up with that because unless you're looking for it in Switzerland or Germany or wherever, right. you're, you're not going to you're not going to buy the book. That's OK. I understand that. So what I did, what I did was, OK, it's my book. What am I going to do? So I went to my local newspaper and I went in with my book and I said, will somebody be interested in writing an article? And it's it's about bullying. So maybe it might might, might be good. So a week later, they called me up. We set up the interview. So I did. I did the interview, and so I said, "Well, that worked. Let's uh, go to the other local newspaper." Walked in there and showed them the book. He said, "Well, wait a minute. We have a reporter here. We'll go ahead and do an interview now." And so we did, and it got published. And then I went to the next newspaper. Did the same exact thing, 
And and throughout all this process, you know, you know, what what never occurred to me was what would happen if somebody actually said no? Uh-huh. How would I how would I handle it? Right. And my thought was was this. I don't give diddly squat whether someone says no to me or not. Because you know what? If I de- the worst no you're ever gonna get is the no is the one you never ask. Right. So so that's why that's why it worked for me because I, I never really focus on no because when you're when you're an author, man, if you try to uh, get it published traditionally, you'll get rejection after rejection after rejection. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't no's never bothered me. In fact, I can honestly say I didn't really get that many no's. Uh, maybe because of the subject of the book. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I walk into Barnes & Noble and I say, hey, would you be interested in carrying my book? Who does that? Not too many people. Go <laughs> right. And... and and I said, oh, by the way, the local newspaper is, is doing an article on me. So he goes, well, wait a minute. Uh, let's go ahead and order 20 books now. And then uh, I want you to come in in October during the anti-bullying month. I want you to come in and do a book signing. So I did. You know, so I, so I did the book signing. And then he, after that was over with, he asked me to come back in April to do another book signing. And then uh, uh, the following October, he asked me again to come back for a book signing. Wow. And, and, and it's just, I never, never got caught up with the, the fame of it or whatever. I did what you, I do what you have to do as an author, a self-published author. You have to get out of your comfort zone, right? And you have mm-hmm. to, yeah, you know, throw yourself into it and just, just go for it. And then I've, I've done like 26 book signings and, um, you know, and I've done, I've done a lot of different things just to keep my name out there for the fact that I know my book has value um, uh, for, for people. In fact, I've had some people tell me, their parents have told me, even some kids have told me that it saved their life because they were considering committing suicide. Wow. Because in the book, I, I talk about suicide. And I was kind of reluctant to put that in there, but I need to make it authentic. I need to make it real. I mean, need to make it feel like whoever reads this thing is they've, they've gone through these, these kinds of situations and, right. and, and they, they need to have something to uplift them. And uh, so I just, I just kept, I just kept doing that and uh, just kind of relentless. And throughout all this process, I ended up, uh, I've been able to speak in in schools and then some churches and uh, a couple of organizations and not so much about the bullying aspect, but uh, I just kind of morphed into uh, talking about empowerment, positive reinforcement, because that's where bullying starts. Because if you lose all that inside yourself, you're going to be more victimized than anything else because that's who you choose to believe. That's how you are because how people tell you are. Mm. And so when you work on someone from the inside, uh, you can't get, you can't, you can't get beat. Uh, you can't get beat down because someone else feels that they have power over you. Uh, but it's a process. I tell you what, you can't, when it, when it comes to being oppressed and being bullied, um, so many people start feeling that, uh, the more people say things about you, well, doggone it, it's got to be true, right? I mean, if this person says it, this person says it, uh, it it's got to be true. And I don't, I don't think that's, you know, I know that's not the way to go. Right. And and I've 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 give I give these kids, you know, when I speak to them, uh, these these kind of uh, these cues to respond to someone who decides they want to do this. And one of the things that really is effective, and it takes a little bit of work is you know if someone insults you um you say uh, so, you know some you know in this case uh, uh 
someone said I had a big nose or whatever. Okay. Okay, which I consider myself. And in fact, in the book, I tell tell about that in the book. But I, and I, this is what I say, you know, say to this person, you look at him face, smile, and just say, you know, you know, Bob, I thought uh, I thought Jim would be the kind of person to say say something like that to me. But you know what? I thought you had more character. I thought you had more integrity because I think you you were awesome. Mm. And that's the most that's the most that's odd thing to say because it's it's really difficult for someone to say those words because it's it's so out of character and you have to, you have to have that body language you have the inflections of the voice you have to sell it basically mm-hmm. and, and and it's hard to teach kids that but the the, the the goal here is don't let someone else tell you um, how you should feel about yourself but you have to turn around but it's, you do it because two things happen when you when someone, bullies you you have a lot of you're being told well ignore it walk away mm-hmm. you hear that all the time well what happens is you walk away you're still feeling like crap right because you haven't resolved the situation because you think at that point that the bully thinks he's one and you've let the bully win or the second thing is is you're going to fight back whether verbally or physically mm-hmm. and both ways it does not actually resolve the situation but the goal here is to try to eliminate that you know that the power struggle between whatever it is and what happens when you start um, uh, saying things in kind or or just saying you know I don't think that's right or whatever other people are watching this other kids are watching this that you're not going to not, not going to let that beat you down right and uh, over the course of time you would hope that it doesn't happen and that's how I that's how I've been actually able to speak to kids individually and, and help them out and uh, um and to just basically teach them there, there's a better way to, to do this. Yeah, well, and it's I mean, to some extent with that specific tactic, certainly it's it's taking the emphasis away from this. This interaction is about the person being bullied. And instead, it's really a reflection of the person doing the bullying, which I think, you know, adults, maybe or maybe that's not true. I don't know. That's not an uncommon statement or thought. It's not profound of me to say that, but it's it's helping the kid recognize that like the person bullying is the one that actually needs the help. Yeah. Right. Like not, yeah. not you. Now it might seem like you if they attack you or something, but, um, but it's like, it's really them. And so by, by challenging them, right. But not in an antagonistic way yep. and kind of challenging that, like, Hey, I thought you were better than this. It, it, it leaves room for them to, to reflect now when they, that wasn't what they were anticipating at all, right? <laughs> no, they, they don't. And and you put them on, on a different level now because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't become the bully. You become more of an empathetic person. You know, hey, I, what's going on in your life, you know? Right. Um, and again, that that's so contrary to what other people are being, all these kids are being taught. And right. That, but I, I, I'll never, you know, I've had a couple of people say that, you know, that just doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because you don't believe it won't work. You, 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 you go back to what you think works and, and it continues over and over again, but you just, you just take control over it. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, it, it's funny because you're right. It is counterintuitive, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the intuition is to, to either, you know, run and hide from it, or if you think you can to stand up and be confrontational back. Um, but confrontation just breeds more confrontation, right? So, I mean, there's the, the cliche of you can't fight fire with fire. And I think people understand that on the surface of it. That, yeah, of course you can't make a fire go out by adding more fire to it. 
but that I mean that applies <laughs> in, in a broad set of contexts. You don't again you don't end confrontation by being more confrontational typically. Yeah. Um, it's just going to, to further escalate from there. The book that you wrote, um, and again, the book we're talking about right now, I just want to make sure that, that the listeners are aware. We're talking about Finding Your True North, A Bullied Teen's Journey of Hope. Is, right. is our, yep. my correct? Yep. yep. So so that book is, it's a, it's it sounds like there's, it's a fiction because the character's not, it's not right. based on a true story, but it's built around a, a very clear set of principles that you're trying to teach and communicate. So it's not like. You know, it's not Lord of the Rings, right? Where no. <laughs> it's just this wild, fantastical story, but it's also not a Malcolm Gladwell book that's just like a social science kind of thing. So I'm curious in your writing process, you know, I know you you committed to, to writing, you know, a certain amount of time every day and, and got it done in an incredibly quick amount of time. But when you were writing, I mean, are, are you doing free writing exercises to to generate ideas or did you have an idea of what the book was going to be? Like I've talked to a few authors and I'm just always so curious as to how the actual creation process worked. Did you have the idea already and then just kind of mapped it out? Or are you doing writing exercises that help pull these pull ideas out that you don't even know you're going to stumble into ahead of time? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, no, the, I, I had an outline and, okay. and what, what is, uh, what I always try to teach other, cause I've had so many people ask me to, you know, they want to write a book and everything. Um, I always talk about where do you want to go? What, you know, yeah, so it's like writing a movie or writing a screenplay, basically. Mm. Uh, but it's like a three-act play. You know, you have your your conflict when you first start. There's conflict and there's resolution along the way, and then there's the meat of it. You know, where where the the uh, protagonist has to finally make a decision what he wants to do or he or she wants to do, and then the end is the re- is, is the resolution of where where you want to end. And I knew what the ending was going to be, mm. and and so when I knew what the end, it's like putting a uh, putting a puzzle together, you know. Because and then you just fill in the holes. But the, the, it was, it, it's more specific than that. Uh, for me, it, for me, it was. It worked out great. But you know, when I had an idea where I wanted to go with the book, you know, there were mo- moments like at three o'clock in the morning when I was writing that I never would have thought at three o'clock in the morning that I would go this path. But it made sense. Whatever it was I was doing made sense. It didn't follow the original outline, but it just made sense where I was going. And and then, but it's like when you when you write, you put your you put your mind into the character, whatever character is in whatever you're writing, uh-huh. and and you it's like you 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 feel the 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 emotions of what's going on with that person. So when you're able to do that, and you have the ability to write it, um, you can get that person to. Um, you become that person. And mm. when you, when you become that person, then you're, everything flows after that. And it worked great for me because, uh, 
that's why I was able to write it so so quickly. Why well, it wasn't real quick. I mean, four months is okay. It's quick enough, but um, <laughs> but I, yeah. <laughs> um, but it just I just I was able to. Um, I was uh, I, you know it's, it's a weird feeling when when you get it so immersed in this. And again, it goes back to me making that decision. I'm going to get this thing done. I'm going to finish it, and I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to let any obstacle stop me from doing this. So I was pretty fierce uh, in, in, in my conviction to do this, mm-hmm. uh, but not, I didn't write it uh, quickly because just of Mac to write it quickly. It was just a natural progression. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I didn't have that impression at all. It, yeah. Yeah. Really just diligence, <laughs> just consistent diligence is, yeah. is the reason that it was fast. Not, not a rush job kind of thing. Yeah. You were saying about four months with this book. The second book took, took me two and a half months. Oh wow! Okay, uh, uh, <laughs> so that's uh, why you don't think four months is that fast because uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I wrote the wrote the it was on homelessness and in, in the first book I have one of the main characters pops he was a homeless person so I had I have this affinity for homeless people and and I was able to uh, connect with a lot of different homeless people through my travels across the country and it kind of I always wanted to feel what's what's going on with their lives and everything you know why why they're doing what they're doing and I and um, while I was in, I was in Baltimore and I was at a, um, and I was at a subway and I was going to get something to eat. And I looked, looked to my right and I saw this homeless person sitting down there. He looked very, very, uh, uh, didn't look, he, he looked very demoralized basically. And I went over there and said, I said, are you hungry? And, and I told, uh, I told the, the cashier, I said, uh, before I went over there, I said that, you know, does he always come in here? He says, yeah, he always comes in here. He always wants to, you know, see if people would help pay for meals and all. He gets out of the cold, not sort of stuff. He, he just always does that. And I wanted to tell her, I said, look, he's a human being, man. Don't, don't treat him like this. It's not fair. I wanted to tell her that, but I did. Yeah. But I said, well, I want to buy his dinner. So I walk over there and I said, are you hungry? He just nodded. And, he, and I said, you can get whatever you want. And said, you can get a foot long if you want. And he goes, no, I just take a six inch sandwich. And so we get to the, uh, I pay for it and everything. And uh, I look at him and he looks at me and he had tears coming down his eyes. Mm. And both of us were, we had tears uh, coming down our eyes. And I, and I said, God bless you, man. I don't know what your situation is, but God bless you. Yeah. And, and I, I felt like that moment just changed me so much because you can actually look at someone's in, the, in their eyes. They're not going to tell you what's going on because he didn't really say hardly at all anything, anything at all. But I knew we had this connection and, and I, I felt like, you know, why can't other people do this? And I didn't want any pat in the back. I didn't want anything like that. I just wanted to, I just wanted to let that person know that, that he matters. Yeah. And, and so that, that um, imprinted in me uh, the idea to write the second book and said, I want to write, I want to know why that guy got there. What happened with him? You know, why you don't wake up one day and say, Hey, I want to be homeless. Right. So, but something happened in his life and I want to write a book about that. And, uh, the, why the reason why I wrote that book so quickly is because I had a herniated disc and I got it from work. Oh, wow. And I was on the couch 24 seven. Well, what am I going to do for, for, 24 seven. Well, I had my laptop and, and I just tickled the ivories here and I started, I just kept writing. Right. And it was, you know, I wrote 40,000 words in, in, in one month. Wow. <laughs> uh, because it was just, 
I, I don't know what it was. It was just, a, it was, a, it was an incredible feeling of, 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 of productivity that I just never thought I ever had. But, um, but once I knew that I could do it, uh, it's like, I, it, nothing stopped me. And I, and I, I knew the, I knew the pattern, what I needed to do with the first book, as far as, you know, uh, uh, getting it produced and all that sort of stuff and writing it and editing it and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I and, and I got it done in two and a half months, and and then and it just went so much quicker. Mm. Uh, and the uh, the memoir, the you're gonna f- freak about this one. Uh, I wrote my memoir last last year, and I'm still working on the second draft. In 17 days, <laughs> that's like God's God's honest truth. I I wrote five hours a day, three hours in the morning, two hours a night, every single stinking night, a day and night. Um, and it, it's a little bit easier when you're writing about your life, you know, uh, as long as you know what your theme is, what you want to talk about. Yeah. And uh, so it was 60,000 words. I don't know how I did it, but I, I, I did it. And then um, I, I, I had to hold off because I wanted to, I want to talk about COVID because you know, mm-hmm. once I, I wanted to really put the last chapter about COVID and, and my, my input about that. Um, but anyway, so I, I did that. Um uh, but the, the, the it's it's amazing what happens when you f- find your why mm. in, in life because uh, it, it's no longer about me. It's always for me is to reach out to to other people and and finding some message that you can get encouragement to somebody all the time. Constantly, I, I do this every single day. Find some way to encourage someone else somehow. Mm. That's really awesome. I mean, so I mean, that, that's the I mean, that's a theme that I'm picking up on here is you know, for yourself personally, the the initial turnaround kind of spurs out of you wanting to help the kids and mm-hmm. doing the, the five star sessions, and then that that turns into eventually a book. Really, the, the motivation or the motivations, you know, probably not the right word, but the why yeah. ends up not being about you, right? It ends up being about something outside of yourself. And so even if it's not, you know, in this case, it's not it's not even outside of yourself in a really personal way. It's not like it's just your wife that you want to help, right? Or mm-hmm. your, your extended family or something, or if you had kids, or it, it's, it's a, a, a much larger group of people, but ultimately that's what what drives you to <laughs> to write an entire book in 17 days <laughs> well the, the the drive is is so much different and 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 that what's interesting about this this whole thing is is um you you start to remove yourself from yourself and mm. and 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 it's so easy to think that you can get caught up because i've had so many people praise me throughout all this you know all the things that i've done and I, I, I feel like I'm from the outside looking in because I don't feel that like I'm that person. There's always the, the, those years and years of insecurity that I've, that I've had about myself. They, they still come up, but the, 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 the very minute I start thinking about this is, no, wait a minute. No, you're not going to fall under that path again. You're just not going to, to feel like you don't deserve this because the minute you feel you get take that feeling, that that's your downfall because... Uh, I have a really good friend of mine, one of the founders of Five Star. He's he always talks about living a life of mediocrity and mm-hmm. how that could be your downfall. 
And uh, when I hit 52 and, and from there, I realized that I was living a life of mediocrity, that I wasn't really getting to where I wanted to go with my life. And at the point, I didn't know where I wanted to go you know, other than writing the book. Yeah. Um, but I, I understood that if, if you try to work a life, work your life in, in a path of excellence, not perfection, the path of excellence in whatever you want to do, um, there's so many things you can achieve in your life that you never thought that, that you never thought possible. My, uh, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go from here. Yeah. Um, but I know, you know, um, the the first book has changed lives. It's it's literally changed lives. I went to a, a, a speaking engagement to a school. I, I spoke into seven different classes in one day. I was hoarse after the third class. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but after the, because I get so emotional, like. I cry. I, I just, I get so emotional when I just start it's talking. It's real. It's really? real. Oh man, it just, it gets raw. It gets really raw. But anyway, um, after each class, after I spoke to these, each class, all these kids just came up after after um, the, the thing was over with. They would tell me about their bullying experiences, mm. and and I just felt like it resonated with these kids. What I was telling these kids resonated with these kids. Um, and that's the best feeling ever. Is it's not not right. for my benefit. It's for these these kids' benefit. Benefit because if there's something that you end up saying that might change their lives, the how they think about themselves, that's a win. That's always a win. Yeah. You know? And 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 that's why I do that. Right. Yeah. I mean that that's that's why I love having uh, folks like yourself come on the show. And you know I think that um, the. the the phrase self-help or personal development um, is related to what we're talking about here. I mean, it's not exactly, maybe doesn't exactly fall into that category, but, but I think there's a lot of stigma with that. And I think that uh, I think it's really important because I think that a lot of people need to understand that there are different ways to think about things. And I think that the more people that I can have on here to talk about that and talk about the way that they understand it, the more opportunity it has to resonate with someone else. Right. And, um, I mean, I know for myself and my own journey of personal development, I, it's not like I was able to go to one source and found one, one book or one mentor that just was like, Oh yeah, X, Y, Z. And I was like, Oh great. Now it's all figured out. Yeah. It's a variety of sources, right? It's a variety of places that it comes from. Um, Again, I don't I don't compare I don't say that to compare what I'm doing with this podcast to what the, the amount of work you've done, but I just definitely agree with that sentiment that it's um, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with things that I think they can overcome, and I don't mean that like oh you know stop feeling sorry for yourself or something like that. I just simply right. mean there's another way, and and if anything. I like contributing to the conversation about that, uh, which is certainly what your work does.
you've written the two books and, and the third one, the other memoir is is still under work. But then you've also got your radio show, Life Without Limits. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about and, and what's that about? Well, I'm on LinkedIn and and you'll make connections with LinkedIn. And uh, I connected with a, an Australian author. And we were talking back and forth. And then she uh, she uh, sent me her book uh, called Resilience, uh, Tony Lantis, incredible book. And and then she asked me one day, I said, hey, I'm starting my uh, radio show. Would you like to be my first guest? And of course, I said, sure. Yeah. And and so we got we did the show. It was a great show. And I thought to myself, you know what? What if I, you know, what, what does it take to do my own show? Well, she connected me with the station owner down in Florida. And we, I talked to him and, and then we came out and I decided to do this. And we, he said, it's your show. You do what you want to do. I don't tell you what to do. It's, it's, uh, it's your, it's free reign. And so I thought, you know, I wrote a book on bullying. So I want to, I want to write, be at that show about bullying, have invite guests who talk about their experiences and how they overcame them. And, and it was, it was great for a while. And I, I still, I still have people come on my show like that. But then I started thinking, you know what? There's more to life than just being bullied, and because it'll, sure. it'll get boring after a while. I want to talk to people who, in this similar vein of of them coming going through a traumatic experience or something in their life that that uh, where a lot of people just totally just stop and they become the victim rather than being the victor. Mm. And so I found uh, I found so many different people with with. Uh, uh, different challenges in our life. And my show is about not the problems, it's about the solutions. Mm, yep. and, it's, and it's not my solutions, it's the solutions of uh, of my guests. You know, and I've done about 100 shows. And, you know, um, I've talked to, um, I'm just going over this list here, uh, somebody who was d- dyslexic, How what it, what it was like I grew up as, a, as somebody who was dyslexic. Um uh, someone who uh, went through lived with a narcissistic mother, and what she did. And she wrote. She's written about uh, six different books. Oh wow! Um, jo- uh, job and life burnout, um, narcissism, which is I, I get that a lot between uh, spouses or, or or parents or whatever. Uh, right. That's really good. Um, I had someone who was born with no arms, no legs. Wow! And and he he was the fourth highest rated uh, wrestler in the country in high school. That's that's awesome. I, I, listen, I've seen him wrestle. I've seen some videos of him wrestle at at an older age. Yeah, the, the man's got the man's got skills, <laughs> mad, huh. mad skills, and it's amazing because he just bounces around around there. But he's able to. He, he, it's just incredible uh, what he did. But he he's a stand up comedian, and there's a joke there's a joke there, obviously, and sure. of course. He uses that as self-deprecating humor, right? Because he says, "Hey, I'm a stand-up comedian," and then he makes a joke out of that. Uh, but he's he's really funny. He's an inspirational speaker, motivational speaker, and uh, I love I love that guy. Um, domestic violence, uh, suicide, depression, mm. uh, power, of forgiveness. Um, oh gosh, there's just there's so many uh, there's so many. Uh, uh, Guests that have come on my show that who have become best friends. Mm. I, I tell you what, I, 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 just like you and I just talking right now, it's, it's like two friends talking. Yeah. And it gets to be like this when, when you, when I bring my guests on, because what I do is I, 
I call them up ahead of time or I, or I connect with them ahead of time and I actually do a pre-interview with them. Oh, okay. And I want to know where we want to go with the conversation. I want to get deeper into the, into the life. So when we actually do the show, we can, we can delve into things that a lot of, a lot of times they don't realize that they would ever say that. Right. But it's, you know, I hate, I don't like to compare me to anybody. So it's like Oprah or, or sure. Dr. Phil or Barbara Walters, you know, some people end up crying because they get, we get so deep into, into the conversation. Now I'm dominating this conversation, obviously. Um, yes. <laughs> well, and that's what, this is how I do this because when, when I do the show, I sit back, I, I'll ask a question and I let them talk, you know, yeah. and, and they end up, uh, the show is 50 minutes long and I say 90% of the show it is them talking. And I just, I'm just there as the, the facilitator. I'm able to move the show along uh, because it's 50 minutes and boom, you're, you're done, you know, because, yeah. because they have other, other shows going on. But uh, throughout that 50 minutes, it's just the feeling, the feeling of the, just the two of us. I, this, my show is worldwide and I've got hundreds of thousands of people listening to the show and, but it's just me and the, me and the guest. Right, and just the feeling of, of uh, the one-on-one conversation that we're having is just it's it's so intense, and it's so personal that when they get done, they just kind of shake their head and say, "Wow, I can't believe I said that," or, or I, you know, it, they'll they'll say some nice things about me, which is okay, um, but at, at the end of the show, it's just a, a feeling that I hate, you know. I always say, I hate to tell you this, but you're, you're not my best friend. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I absolutely believe that I could, because it's just, and, uh, and I, 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 over the, most of them I'm able to stay connected with. Yeah. And I'll, you know, they send me messages and I send them messages and, uh, and, it, and it's a, just a great feeling. So life without limits is a perfect, uh, name for my show is because I give life to uh, the, the people who are talking because they've limited them, them, themselves, mm. but it's, it's a life without limits, which means that I don't care what you're going through. Uh, you have the capacity to overcome anything with the right mindset. And, right. Uh, but it's a process for some people because when they get abused and that's for years, I had just had one, one woman last week. She, she was abused from age 10 to age 19 and then again at 24. But you know what she ended up doing? You're not going to believe this. Um, she started running and then she started running marathons mm. and then she started doing triathlons. Oh, wow. And she didn't have any, she didn't have any bike or riding experience or swimming. She, she, she told me she sucked at swimming uh, but she did it anyway because uh, she used that as a, I'm not saying a coping mechanism, but when I asked her about that, she said, I didn't really think about that, but you're right. It's probably a coping mechanism after all the abuse and the PTSD. And then uh, 2015, she ran five triathlons in five days. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. remarkable. Shangri-La Rendon. Um, look it up. I mean, she's, she, and she set against Book of World Records for that. She had against World Record for that. Five triathlons in five days, and we delved into that. And then she's done so many more uh, incredible things with her life in the athletic world. Uh, and she said, you know what? I would have never done that if I didn't go through what I did when I was younger. 
Right. You know, right. and and then people ask questions during the show. And I like had 20 people ask questions and comments during the show. And, uh, and it's just it's just a great feeling that uh, we're able to inspire and other people listen to the show. And uh, uh, that's one of the, if I go to my grave tomorrow, this is one of my biggest accomplishments I've ever done because it's not, it's not because of me. I'm out of this picture. It's because of allowing my guests to share their voice with so many other people. And uh, it's just an incredible feeling. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, over and over again, you're finding ways, you know, first it's going to local events. I mean, I know you were traveling to some extent as well, but going in person to engagements to, to engage people and try and help people. And then you do it through writing books and providing that medium. And now you've discovered radio and interviewing and and ways to, to help people in that way. So it's just over and over again, finding ways to reach out and and help others. And that's what's bringing all of this fulfillment. Yeah. It's a, you know, I, I owe it to my mom. My mom was, uh, you know, I'm not sure, um, about your, your mother, but, uh, I, I get dibs on this. She's the, the, the best mom ever created an entire face of the earth, entire history. (laughs) Um, because that's the way she was because I mean, she taught me empathy, um, and compassion Mm -hmm. and, and things that really mattered in life. You know, she, she was a single mother of five boys. I was the youngest. Uh, and it was just, uh, she went through so many challenges in her life, but ultimately, I looked at that look looked at her in, in in her entirety. That's what I remember most about her is because of how she treated other people. Yeah, and and I'm just uh, I'm just an extension of her. It's not just me. It's because of how I've become. It's it's because of her. And one of the things that I've been doing for the past uh, almost eight years now. This is my, my eighth year is uh, during Lent uh, for forty days. Uh, I will connect with people. Um, doesn't really matter how many people uh, for 40 days, every single day I'll, I'll say, uh, say an encouraging message to them or, or something that, that uh, I, I see something, a quote or something, I'll send it to them. And, and ultimately what happens is when they send something back is, you know what? I don't know why you sent that to me today, but I needed to hear that today. Mm. And, and I'm going through a bunch of crap. I'm going through so much stuff in my life that, out of the blue, it just, it shows me that someone cares. And that's, and again, it's not because of trying to get plaudits or, or uh, thank yous or whatever. I just do it because that's who I am uh, because I want to make people feel better about themselves. And what happens is it does a couple things is, is you, you obviously help the person because, you know, they, they know that, uh, um, someone actually cares. And the other thing is it helps you as an individual because you, again, the sacrifice that I write in the book is it, the definition that we do with five stars, taking your eyes off yourself and onto someone else. Mm. Uh, sacrifice can have de- several different definitions, but that's our, that's our definition. So when you start doing that, you start feeling better about yourself because you may go through a bunch of junk, but once you put yourself out there and then you want, you want to make someone else feel better, um, uh, the world opens up for you because now your problems don't matter anymore because someone else who might be going through a bunch of other junk in their life that is more, it's, it's worse than you can possibly imagine. But the thing is you don't know what they're going through, right? Because when right. you say something nice to someone, so 
they don't necessarily tell me what they're going through, but they're going through a bunch of junk. And I, I, uh, I sent a message a couple of years ago to a woman who was helping her mother or her, her daughter who was being bullied. I said this, I'd said it something encouraging to her out of the blue. And she said the same thing. I don't know why he sent this to me, but I need to tell you, I tried to commit suicide. So I need to hear that today. Yeah. And and so that's why I do that. So starting tomorrow, which is Ash Wednesday, this is I'm going to do it all over again. And I look, and I think it's, it's again, it goes, my, I don't, I don't, uh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a have to do it. It's a want to do it. Right. Which is more powerful than the have to, right? Oh, yeah. And, and. Well, of course, there are some days, you know, you know, going into the 30th day, you know, you start thinking, oh, wow. And then I <laughs> then I do it. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a habit thing. And it's just a great feeling that I'm going to do this. And and what's nice about it is it's not just the 40 days that I do this. I do this throughout the entire year, but I'm very uh, concentrated in, in doing this. And man, it's just a it's just a great feeling. So I I, I always want to tell people this when I do these podcasts, other people's shows, or or on my shows, pay it forward, man, because yeah. because when you start paying it forward, particularly in this kind of divisiveness that we see in in the world today, um, it doesn't take it doesn't take much to say a word of kindness. It doesn't, right. you know. It just you just have to make that decision, and uh, it, it changes people's lives. Uh, yeah. If not, it just for that moment doesn't necessarily change your entire life because it, you go back to the thing of, you know, my problems are still going to still be my problems, but at least they know someone's there who cares, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, one of the, um, and I'm, to be clear, I'm not like a medical health person or something or a mental health person. So I don't, you know, I'm not speaking from a position of authority, but I feel like that when people, and I know in my own experience, when I get, the, the, when the, the weight of things starts to feel heavier, there isn't an aspect of it that is isolation, right? Where I feel like I'm alone in these problems or I, I alone have, have to face these and, and other people haven't, and haven't had this because I'm the only one that was stupid enough to create this mess or, or whatever, you know, the case yeah. may be. Um, so I think there's an element of that too, where, like you said, it, it's not that complimenting someone or, or encouraging someone instantly resolves everything, but it can chip away at that feeling of isolation, which then chips away at the despair, which then makes it more tenable, more manageable. Yeah, because I actually did this. Uh, I helped this uh, one 16-year-old girl. She's bullied uh, eight consecutive years uh, from age eight to age 16. And she was, she was, uh, uh, she was put into a, a mental ward. She, tried to, she was cutting herself, and she tried to commit suicide. All the things that uh, you paint yourself as the victim, but it was just brutal with her. And she didn't know how to handle it. So somebody asked me to go over her house. And so I went over there and her mom, and, uh, she was, she was sit, sitting in the living room. And for an hour and a half, all we did was cry because it got so emotional. Uh, and, and at the end of the conversation, she told me, so, you know what? I'm tired of being the victim. I'm not going to let this beat me up anymore. Mm. And, and I, and I, 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 I told her, I said, look, I, I understand that when you make that comment, but here's the thing. You've gone through eight years of this. You just, you're not going to be able to shut it off. That's just to be honest, but yeah. I'm going to give you some tools that you need to do um, to, to work yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. And this is where I told her about the, the, the definition of sacrifice is you take your eyes off yourself and on someone else. So she started going into school and she was doing that. She was, she was complimenting people and she videotaped some of this stuff and let me, let me see this. 
And of course, the people on the other end were were like, uh, who are you and why are you doing this to me? Why are you saying this to me? But she didn't let up. And her life changed from from then on because she was no longer the victim anymore. And and that was the most gratifying thing that I've ever uh, had with my book is because the book the book changed her life. Uh, my uh, involvement with her it changed her life, and uh, you just can't replace that, you know. And those are those are moments in your life you you you. Uh, when the, when thoughts come up of what you've been able to accomplish with things that you've helped other people, uh, you, you can't replace that, you know, yeah. and that's just the best feeling. That's awesome. Well, Thomas, it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking with you and, yeah. and frankly, a humbling experience uh, just because of, I know you don't want to be praised, but <laughs> the amount of time uh, that you've spent trying to help other people is, 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 is really remarkable. And, uh, and I'm really glad <laughs> that we get a yet, yet again, provide another avenue for people to, to, to hear about this and, and learn, um, and learn about you and hear about your, your books and, and your radio show. Um, so again, the, 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 the first book we talked about is finding your true North, a bully teen's journey of hope. Right. Uh, and then the second one is nowhere man. And then the radio show is life without limits. I'll make sure and have links to in the show notes to the radio show and, and to, I assume the books are, books are on sale on Amazon. So people right. can, can buy those books. Is there anywhere else though, if people wanted to reach out to you, um, especially as COVID hopefully <laughs> winds down over the next year, mm. you'll probably get back into those speaking engagements and that sort of things. How would people connect with you if they wanted to, to do that? Uh, they can uh, uh, send me email at uh, tar books. Uh, okay. 2323 20, at gmail.com. So that's tarbooks2323 at gmail.com. And the uh, the radio show is on every every Monday night. It's on it's on internet. It's w4wm.com. Uh, Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And awesome. it, And if you can't listen to it live, which is okay, uh, you can look forward on uh, all these different platforms, you know, uh, iHeartRadio, which is the biggest one. Just look for Life Without Limits and uh, and Spotify and Apple and all the different platforms you, you can look for it. And, awesome. Uh, and, of course, of course, the books are on uh, Amazon. Right, right, yeah. Well, like I said, I'll make sure and have links in there. Um, again, Thomas, really can't thank you enough for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a blast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, Walker. Double me on my way. It 
Alright folks, well that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Thomas Russell for stopping by. Again, you can find the links to his books and his radio in the show notes. Also, I want to thank Misha Zarens again for the music. And of course, last but not least, thank you listener for listening today. I'd also encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we really talk about why gaming matters. We've had some really great interviews over there recently as well with pro gamers and game developers, so I highly suggest you check it out. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks on any podcast platform. As always, thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.